Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. This is episode 23, and today we're mostly going to be talking about prayer. First, we're going to talk about the death of Sarah in Genesis 23, and then we're going to go right into Genesis 24 and talk about how Abraham's servant finds a wife for Isaac. And we're going to go through this prayer that he offers up to God and use it as a model for ourselves whenever we're trying to discern the Word of God. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. Last episode, we talked about how God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, And how Abraham was willing to do that because he was trusting God to still fulfill his promise through Isaac. And then we discussed the parallels between Abraham and God and Isaac and Jesus. And so if you happen to miss that episode, you might want to go back and listen to that because seeing a parent just like us being asked to sacrifice his son and a son completely willing to submit to his father's will and the will of God really just helps us understand so much more what it was like for God to sacrifice his only son for us and for Jesus to submit to that. Today we're going to quickly read the last few verses of Genesis 22 before we get into Sarah's death in chapter 23. So let's go ahead and read beginning in Genesis 22:20. Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor, Huz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel the father of Aram, Chazed, Hazo, Pildosh, Zidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bore Teba, Gaham, Thahash, and Makah. Now, obviously, I do not know how to pronounce those names, but you get the point. So somehow Abraham and his brother Nahor had kept in touch because he's being told that Nahor has eight sons by his wife Milcah and four more by his concubine. And the reason that I bring this up is because Bethuel is one of those sons and he has a daughter named Rebekah and a son named Laban. And they're going to be significant in the passage that we discuss right after Sarah's death. So let's read Genesis 23. It says, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kerja Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham stood up before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, 
Hear us, my Lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth, and he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who entered at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying, My Lord, listen to me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out the silver of Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, four hundred shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth, before all who went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah, before Mamre, that is, Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. Sarah is the only woman whose age of death is recorded in the Bible. And so that tells us how important she really is as the mother of the Israeli nation. Now, Isaac was 37 at the time of his mother's death, and Abraham didn't actually own any land of his own. He had only been allowed to live in this place amongst the other people. And so when he asked the people if he could have a cave to bury Sarah, they all quickly agreed because they had so much respect for him. You can see that they say, you're a mighty prince among us. No one would turn you down. You can have whatever you want. And this is fulfillment of the promise that God had made to him all those years before about how he would be a blessing to others and that he would be blessed and that he'd live a good and peaceful life. So he asked for the cave of Ephron and he offered to pay whatever it was worth. But not only did Ephron give him the cave, but he also gave him the field that contained it. Now, it may be that he was doing this out of kindness or it may be that he didn't want people traveling through his field to get to their burial property. But either way, it was a generous offer. And so Abraham paid 10 pounds of silver for the property, which would be a little over $2,000 right now. Even to Abraham's death, this is the only plot of land that he ever owns. Listen to what it says about this in Hebrews 11, 9 through 10. By faith, Abraham dwelled in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God." So it's saying that even though this land was promised to his family, he lived in it as a stranger, as if it wasn't even his, because he never actually got to possess it. He was just living amongst other people. 
It says that he was waiting for the eternal city that's made by God. That's his ultimate inheritance. Okay, so let's go ahead and read in chapter 24 about how Eleazar goes to get a wife for Isaac. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you will go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman isn't willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. So this is probably the same servant that he mentioned back in Genesis 15. If you remember, that was the servant named Eliezer and the one that he thought he was going to have to give his inheritance to when he didn't have a son of his own. Now, putting his hand underneath his thigh seems like a pretty strange custom to us, but it would be like a handshake, but much more personal. It's a promise that would be made between very close friends or in a matter that was deeply personal and not something like buying property where a handshake would be more appropriate. This journey was about 450 miles. And so that's the reason that Eleazar is going through all of these different scenarios because he's not going to be able to go back to Abraham quickly and ask him questions. But Abraham is very adamant that Isaac not be brought back to the other land. And the reason is because God had told him that he was going to give this land to Isaac and his descendants. And so Isaac can't take possession of the promised land if he isn't living in it. And he's wanting him to go back to his family because he wants to get Isaac a wife worthy of the promise that God had given to him, a woman that would also know God and follow him. And that would definitely not be a wife from the land of the Canaanites, even though they had been very kind to him. So Abraham released Eliezer from fulfilling this oath if the woman wouldn't come back with him. But Abraham knew that it was the will of God for him to go get a wife from this place. And so he told his servant that God would send his angel before him and prepare the way for him to find the wife that Isaac needed. How awesome is it that God prepares the way for His will to be done in our lives? That just shows His involvement and His provision for us. Okay, so let's read verse 10 and 11. It says, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when the women go out to draw water. So he took animals and gifts and went to the land of Nahor, which is where Abraham was from. 
And since he was looking for a woman, it only made sense that he would go to the place that the women were. So he went to the well where the women were about to draw water for the animals. So here's the prayer. Pay very close attention. Beginning in verse 12, it says, Then he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one that you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking, that behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with a pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew it for all of his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent, so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So not only does he ask for success on this mission that he was sent out to do, but he also asks some other very important things. He's really asking for God's guidance and his discernment. And he's recognizing that God knows the woman that he has for Isaac, and also that he does not. He has absolutely no idea how to choose a wife for someone else, but he knows that God does. And so he presents the Lord with a scenario that's hopefully going to give him clear answers. Now, maybe he chose this exact way for the woman to act because he knew that she would be a hardworking, ambitious, kind woman. Or it may have also just been that this would set her apart from the rest of the people. Maybe a little bit of both. Because it would be polite to offer him a drink. But to go above and beyond and offer his camels a drink is probably not something that just everyone would volunteer to do. And so that would distinguish her from the other women and give him a clear answer. Now, I read that camels can hold up to 25 gallons of water. And so hopefully they're not completely out of water at this point because he has 10 camels and that would be 250 gallons. But it does say that she gave them a drink until they finished drinking. So regardless of exactly how much it was, we know it was a good amount of water that she was having to draw for these camels and she was willing to offer that. This does show that she is a good, kind woman and definitely willing to serve others and work hard. Now notice how quickly God answers his prayer. And how exactly? It says in verse 15 that before he had even finished speaking to God, Rebecca walked up. And then she did the exact thing that he had asked the Lord for, right? 
Exactly. And so I just want us to think about this for a minute because how often do we not have any idea which direction we need to take, what choice we need to make, what it is that God has for us? The Bible gives us clear-cut instructions for our lives, but it doesn't give us detailed and unique instructions for each person in each circumstance. And so the way that we discern that is by talking to God and paying attention to the signs that He gives us, the doors that He opens and closes, things like that. And it's always good for us to remember that God does see. He does know. And most of the time, even when we think we know, we don't. So we should always go to God whenever we have a choice to make and let Him guide us and give us discernment. And this is a wonderful example of how to pray whenever we do that. Ask Him for things specific, for definite answers, clear instruction, and then just watch and wait until He gives you some sort of answer before you act. That's something that we don't like to do, right? We pray about things and then we want something to happen immediately, like it did with Rebecca in this case. But oftentimes we need to wait a little bit longer and just pay attention to the signs that God's giving us before we act. There are times whenever we pray and then we do have a deadline and we have to make a decision. And so we have to go off of the best answer that we feel like God's given us. But if you don't have to do that, if there is no deadline on it, then pray and just ask God and just wait until you have a clear, definite answer as to how to proceed. I want you to listen to this verse in James 1, 5, and 6. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So this tells us that if we lack the wisdom to make a good decision, that we can ask God and He will give us that wisdom if we just ask believing that we'll receive it from Him and then just wait for His answer. Listen also to Psalm 130. 5 and 6. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. So this just reminds us to wait and watch. Watch for the thing that you know is coming. Because you know the morning's coming, right? It always comes. So wait for the answer that you know God's going to give you. And don't act until you have that, if at all possible. Okay, so let's continue reading and see what Eliezer does with this answer that God's given to him. Beginning in verse 22. So it was, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and truth toward my master. 
As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to meet the man as well. So it came to pass, when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man. And there he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. When the man came to the house, and he had unloaded the camels, and provided straw and feed for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the feet of the men that were with him, food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told you about my errand. And he said, Speak on. And the servant said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land that I dwell. But you shall go back to my father's house and to my family, and take a wife for my son." And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son from my family and my father's house. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from this oath. And this day I came to dwell and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah, coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave my camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord, and blessed the Lord the God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I might turn to the right hand or to the left. Okay, so... Eleazar immediately has no doubt that he has the answer to his prayer whenever he asks her who her family is and she tells him that she is Nahor's granddaughter. And so he gives her gifts and asks her if he can spend the night at her house. Now, this ring weighed about 0.2 ounces and that would be worth about $250 today. And then these bracelets were four ounces each and they would be worth over $5,000 today in pure gold. So he gave her over $1,000 worth of jewelry. And then he tells her all about Abraham and how God had blessed him and led him to her. 
And then he praises God to her and acknowledges that God is the one that led him to her. Also notice that Laban is very welcoming. As soon as Rebekah tells him the story, he's very welcoming. They feed his camels and take care of him. And then they're about to sit down and eat this meal. But Eleazar is completely focused on his mission. And he won't even eat until he's had opportunity to tell them all of what had happened. And this is just an amazing story. It really is. Because when he asked this question, the woman that gave him this answer could have been from a whole different family. But it just so happened, coincidentally, to be a very close relative of Abraham's. And so these things aren't coincidence, right? This was God's plan all along. And he's revealing it to Abraham very clearly and definitively. All right, so I know we've done a lot of reading, but we're almost finished. We're going to go ahead and read their response to Abraham's servant, beginning in verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass, when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry and silver, jewelry of gold and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose early in the morning and said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us for a few days, at least ten. After that, she may go. But the servant said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said, Will you go to this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said, O sister, may you become the mother of thousands and of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maid arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man, so that the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Berlaharoi, for he had dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she had said to her servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So they believed Eleazar when Eleazar told them all of the things that had happened and how it was God's will. And so they said, we really can't say anything one way or the other then. If this is what God wants, then this is what has to happen. It doesn't really matter what we want. And that is such a perfect response and something that we really need to take note of. Because there's really no need in even thinking about how we feel about a certain subject if it's God's will. It's best for us not to try to fight against that. And thankfully, Laban and Bethuel seem to know that very clearly. And as soon as they know that it's God's will, then they completely surrender to it. 
And this causes Eliezer to publicly praise God and then give them several gifts. But whenever he wants to leave immediately, the brother and the mom kind of shy away. They're like, oh, wow, this is happening a little fast. We're not really quite ready for this. But Eliezer is insistent because he's been sent on this mission and he just wants to get back to Abraham and tell him how his mission has been successful. And so he explains that to them. And then notice how they react to this. They're very considerate to Rebecca because they go to her and ask her opinion. Women were not always treated in this way. And that shows this family's kindness and treatment of women. Now, it also gives Rebecca the opportunity to participate in God's plan also. And so we'll notice that she is willingly agreeing to follow God and do what it is she also believes that he has as his will for her life. She's listened to all of the information that Eleazar has given And she is a willing participant in this entire process. And she also desires to follow God's will. And then notice the blessing that they give to her. I'm going to read it again. It's in verse 60. It says, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. And may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. I mean, that couldn't be any more perfect, right? They had absolutely no idea who Rebecca would become, but she does become the mother of the entire Jewish nation. And her descendants do possess the gates of their enemies because her descendants are the ones that possess the promised land, which is occupied by seven other nations. So after this blessing, she was sent out with her nurse or her maid to go with Abraham's servant. This was very common back in those days that the woman that had taken care of her and helped with her her whole life would continue to go with her in marriage and help in her household. And so they set out and whenever they meet Isaac, she covers herself and she's taken to him and it says that he loves her. So God not only gave him a good woman and a godly woman and a woman that would be a good mother for his descendants, but he also gave her a woman that he loved. We have a wonderful God that he cares about our feelings and not just our future and his kingdom. And it says that she comforted him after the death of his mother. Now, one more thing I want to note is that the place that he's coming from is the place that Hagar named the God who sees. So this just reminds us again that God saw Isaac in his sadness from his mother's death. He saw Isaac in need of a wife. He saw Rebekah and who she could be for him, and she brought her to him. So God did prepare the way for Eleazar, didn't he? He did send his angel before him. It's a good thing that Abraham's servant was a man that would talk to the Lord, that would consult God and ask for his guidance. And so again, we just have to always do that. We have to always go to God. And then whenever he makes his will clear to us, we need to act on it and not question it because we know that his will is always better than ours. So keep that in mind this week. 
Next week, we're going to end this study on Abraham with his marriage to another woman after Sarah dies. And we'll talk about the descendants that he has through her and then his death and do a little summary of this study before we move on to Isaac and his children. So make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss that episode. Make sure that you leave comments wherever you're listening. You can also email me. My email address is Courtney at livethroughjesus.com. Thanks and have a good day. Mm-hmm.